everybody. Welcome to Ask for Candy, where we talk about healing, self-care, love, sex, relationships, and what it takes to be amazing on the daily. Who I am, I am CandiceHarperLoveCoach.com, and my purpose with this podcast is to create healthy, romantic relationships all around the world, especially now that there is a worldwide health crisis and people are in need of love and connection now more than ever. But before we get to that, shout out to Armed Radio and all the peeps around the world listening in. Don't forget to subscribe to Ask for Candy on Anchor, subscribe to our Ask for Candy YouTube channel, Ask for Candy podcast, and when you subscribe, even if you're busy on a Thursday night, you'll never have to miss a show. Also, we're on Patreon, so if you want to become a patron of the show, just click the link in our post description. Become a patron and get access to early content, first dibs on any of our perks, offers, or giveaways, and 30% off any private coaching package should you be interested. Also, I want you to follow me on Instagram at Candy Love Coach and at Ask for Candy Podcast if you want to be entered in the Ask for Candy Cash App contest. Stick around to hear the rules at the end of the show, but you can also just follow me on Instagram and you'll get the rules there. I promise I'm going to be posting them very soon. You can email me, askforcandypodcast at gmail.com. Any of those questions or comments or anything you have to say can be answered in a later broadcast or we can talk about it. You might even you know, send something that could be a good topic on the show. You never know. Those of you who've been listening, you know that I am a relationship coach, a workshop facilitator, and a professional matchmaker with Talkify. And if you've never heard of Talkify, it's an amazing digital service where you can hire a matchmaker to do all the sifting and the vetting on your behalf. And it's especially great for people who struggle with initiating contact or simply picking the right partner. Matchmaking and relationship coaching is my zone of genius, and the best part about it is that week to week, I get to grow and learn as I interact with people around the most intimate part of their lives. I get to meet and nurture new clients. I get to screen possible dating candidates for them. I get to design programs and activities that deepen their ability to get to know each other. But most importantly, I get to be part of what supports healthy beginnings and a sustainably healthy relationship. And I would hazard a guess that some of you are at home quarantined with someone right now and wondering if things could have turned out differently if you initially had someone there to help you choose in the beginning. The good news is that it's never too late to turn the ship around if both people are willing and able. But here's the thing. Some of us out here, however, are old dogs who don't want to learn no new tricks. And tonight, I want to talk to my older singles the older single scene in particular, because, you know, through my matchmaking, through my coaching, I get to uh, work with people in their 40s, 50s, and even 60s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. So that's four decades across. And in my own personal life, when it comes to dating and mating and matching and all of that stuff, I meet people a wide range of ages. I tend to attract men from their late 30s to their early 60s and sometimes beyond. So it's a privilege to do so, to work with and to meet all of these people from different stages of life, and it's interesting. And there is a very strange phenomena that I am beginning to perceive. And tonight, I have way more questions than answers. Normally, you guys know I'm usually full of information, which I'm not afraid to share or express. But tonight, I really um, have a lot more questions than anything else. 
because in my own experiences and my recent experiences with clients and, you know, in moving in the circles that I move in and talking to who I talk to, there's sort of a reoccurring thing that's going on. Now, you guys know that normally I, all the time, I'm about personal responsibility, right? I'm someone for whom if I have a complaint, the first thing I want to do is look inward to see if that complaint is something that I am generating for, you know, whatever the problem is itself, or is there something else going on with me? Is there, you know, where's my responsibility and what went wrong? If I'm not having a good experience, what can I do to generate something different so that I can have a good experience? And I'm the same way with my clients. I'm the same way with you guys. I'm the same way with anybody who comes to me. And more often than not, I work with way more women than men. So I'm usually in the conversation of women, we talk about our experiences and we also have to take responsibility for our own experiences. And we also have to generate the love lives and the general lives that we want to generate and that it's not about blaming men or anything like that. So I don't subscribe to this idea that there's something wrong with all men or that any one gender is more responsible for the state of dating today. I feel like we're all responsible for our own experiences. But this strange phenomena that I feel like has come up is, I don't know, I hate to generalize, but I'm, I'm going to end up generalizing a little bit. So last year, I briefly dated this guy who was in his mid-50s. Nice looking guy, a philanthropist, a contributor to his community, very much a giver, very much a gentleman. We went to some fun places to date, had some laughs. And by giver, I mean, you know, like in, in that community sort of way, you know, even his job was very much about being in service to the community. Um, you know, we had some laughs together. He seemed like he could be a lot of fun. It felt like there was a lot of potential there, but we only went on a few dates because it wasn't long before I realized that there was just no like, like sweetness in the relationship. Now, you know, the name of this show is Ask for Candy. So I'm all about, um, you know, and I think for everybody, everybody, your particular relationship should have the level of affection and uh, kindness and compassion and being sweet to each other. Like everybody, that's part of what speaks to your compatibility is that everybody, you know, in the relationship and by everybody, I mean the two people or, you know, whatever, if you're polyamorous, but that there's an agreement that this is the level of affection and interaction and compassion and kindness that we enjoy together, right? So everybody's not for everybody. So it's possible to date someone for whom your levels are different. And there's nothing wrong with that. But the reason that he and I didn't seem to be really hitting it off is because I didn't feel like a level of like romanticness or sweetness or, um, and maybe it's, you know, I'm very affectionate. That sort of like ooey gooey. You want to like be with that person. You feel like that person's really attracted to you. You feel really attracted to that person. And it just didn't feel romantic and kind. It kind of felt like I was always with a business partner. If I, you know, when we went out together, not, uh, yeah, it just wasn't it, the sexy romanticness just wasn't there, but I found him physically attractive, which was weird. And I got the sense that he found me physically attractive, but it just, it wasn't, there was no soft conversations, no ear whispering. There was no compliments unless I gave them to him. He was just very, for lack of a better word, rigid. Now, mind you, we never slept together. So that is not a euphemism. He just was like a rigid personality. So it wasn't long before our conversations just felt combative. Like no matter what I would say, he loved to counter or invalidate it. He wanted to always sort of be in a debate. 
And, you know, even though I, I tend to avoid political religious arguments, sometimes we would get in conversations about important things and he just was so adamant about his rightness about things and there was no discussing it. There was no, um, you know, there was no discussing it without like a belittling kind of response and just very short, um, you know, in his responses and, and just it, it never felt like like I was talking to someone, you know, for whom there was a lot of compassion between us. And it felt like my personal thoughts were a challenge to his need to conversationally crush it. Like he had to crush it every time. He had to be like, you know, the mic dropper. And he had to like make sure that I, I knew my place. And I actually found myself in a frustrated argument with him a number of times. And then I would be mad at myself for stepping out of my feminine energy and even getting defensive because in as much as I, I you know, I consider myself first a humanist and, and also a feminist, but you know, I, I believe in the rights of men. I believe in the importance of men and their value and, and all of that stuff. And so whatever people associate with being a feminist, that it's somehow a man hater. I, I have none of that. Like I want everyone to be loved and advanced and have their rights and, you know, be able to be happy. I don't believe that one gender has to be squashed for another one. And I, I know I'm being binary, but that's this conversation. I don't believe that one side has to be squashed in order for another to advance. So, um, yeah, like I, you know, I, I really don't believe in that whole, like getting into combat with each other. And if we don't agree or having conflict or, or something like that, that it's about, you know, making sure to win. And so for me, I don't feel good if I feel if there's the, a defensiveness or if I feel attacked and I feel, and I pull myself out of my feminine energy and go into that masculine energy where I'm fighting with someone it's an emotional response. And then afterwards, I never feel good about it. Right. And I'm sure that you guys have been in relationships where whatever it is with that person, they trigger an emotional response or you have an emotional response, which we're all responsible for. But then you don't necessarily feel good about that emotional response. And that is what makes it not feel good to be around that person. And I think for both men and women, when we don't feel good around a person, that's when we decide it's, you know, you don't really want to date them. You don't want to date anybody that you don't consistently feel good around. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like sometimes we feel a little guilty, but if, if being around that person, you don't, you end up coming out of yourself or you, you end up being confronted with things, then yeah, I always say when you're triggered, that means there's something to heal. There's something to look at. But if someone is constantly triggering you, or if you're feeling like you have to defend yourself against somebody, then that's a sure sign of incompatibility. So go heal whatever you need to heal so you don't feel defensive. And then, you know, don't spend so much time with that person because that person's going to be who they're going to be. Right? That's a whole nother road. But what I want to get to is that, um, you know, I feel like there's sort of this trending that's happening. And I, and I don't want to generalize older men but I'm finding that there's a number of cases lately, and this has come up a lot in conversation, that you know men get to a certain age, and there's that cliche about teaching an old dog new tricks, <laughs> and how you just can't do that. You just can't teach an old dog new tricks, they say. And you know, uh, I hate to put all the men in this in this vat. But it, it just keeps being proven over and over again. And I even see it in my own father. 
And he was the second man that I've experienced that kind of combativeness with. I talked about my last relationship last week. But most of the other men that I've ever dated for any period of time, or at the very least, at the very least, they were sweet, romantic, flirtatious. They were lovers, not fighters, which I adore. Like, you know, I'm someone who can go into fight mode and flight mode, but I would much rather hang out with someone who wants to flirt and be sexy and talk soft and and be cuddly and all of that stuff. And we can all have our own thoughts and still be sweet to each other. Like, we don't have to agree on everything. And if I see it a different way, then it's, you know, it's not a big deal and we can still love on each other. But um, yeah, he was the second guy that I kind of dealt with that, that sort of thing with. And then recently I sent a client out on a date with a man that I had screened and she experienced the exact same thing. And he also was this guy in his mid fifties. And in our screening, I, you know, I knew it could go one of two ways because he definitely was coming off like alpha male. And, you know, he was very adamant that he wanted to be in charge of setting up the video date because, you know, we're doing video dating now. He wanted to figure out the theme and the activities. He made it a point to let me know that that he was an alpha male and he would need no assistance. And, um, you know, he had a lot of opinions about because I always ask the question about gender roles because that also speaks to compatibility. So just as a side note, you know, as a matchmaker, I don't care what your view is on gender roles. I don't have any judgments about your views on gender roles. That's your business. How, whatever you like in a relationship. Some people like you know, for the man to meet, be more submissive. Some people like for the woman to be more submissive. But what's going to speak to your compatibility is that you both like the same dynamic. So this is not a conversation about whether it's right or wrong to be submissive or not be submissive or whether you need to be alpha, beta or whatever you need to be. But it is really important, I think, you know, as far as compatibility is concerned, that two people see it the same way. Because if you don't, that's an incompatibility, right? You have no business being in a romantic relationship. So, you know, in him letting me know that he was an alpha male, based on what I know about my client, you know, she is a very powerful woman, but she also expressed that she wanted to be able to be in her feminine energy in a relationship and that she was open to being, um, and open by open, I mean, you know, there was no me trying to convince her of this. A lot of powerful women that I work with, what they want in a relationship is to be able to be like flowing like water and feminine and, you know, maybe a little more submissive and in surrender. I know I'm going to get a lot of flack out there from women who are like, but that is not, you know, women are strong, whatever. We're not talking about, you know, uh, Betty Draper, we're talking about the dynamic of your romantic relationship. And so you can be a powerful woman and still want to be spanked in bed and still want to be able to uh, let a man lead you and be submissive and let that sort of thing go on in your romantic relationship if that's what feels good to you. That's your damn business. That is your own damn business. When it comes to our romantic relationships, we are not responsible for the political flora and fauna. That's a whole nother conversation. So anyway, I thought that this would be a great match because she really wanted to be in her feminine energy and he was all about alpha male. And so it is part of my job to curate these dates in this way. And I use, you know, basic best practice tips for going on a video date. So I sent those, you know, I, I sent them to them, even though he wanted to run the date because I send them to everybody. But I left it at that because usually what I would do is let's do a theme you know, what other things can we do? What other ideas? I invited him to collaborate. He didn't want to collaborate. I was like, that's all you, baby. 
you're the alpha male, you're in charge, do your thing. Right? So I thought it would be a really good way for him to express himself and a good way for her to, her to experience him in a way that might be attractive. But it turned out to be not so much of a thing, his thing. <laughs> Apparently he wasn't really prepared for the date. It took him about 15 minutes after the date started to get his video set up and his light set up and he didn't really bother to wear anything nice. And he was engaged, but he was not really very open or romantic with her. They kind of, they played a game together um, you know, that she, she felt was very like on the surface because it was a questions asking kind of game. And, you know, usually that's for getting to know each other. And he was very guarded about anything personal about him. Granted, it's a first date. So nobody's asking you to give up your social security number, but it's a date. People, if nothing else, when you're on a date and I know it's scary but if you don't take the opportunity to open up about who you are and be a little bit vulnerable in that way and say what you like and what you're into, a person can't get to know you. Now, I know it's scary because you could say something personal about yourself and someone could instantly reject it and be like, I'm just not for that. That's not my thing. But trust me when I tell you that you would rather have that happen so that you know that you're incompatible with a person than to be completely guarded, not say anything about yourself, force into a relationship, and then have this person get to know things about you that you guarded that you didn't want to say anything about, and then find out you're incompatible after you've been, you know, sleeping with each other for however many months, and you've, and you've developed some feelings. So it's okay on these first dates to be open about things that you're passionate about, you know, general things about your family. I'm not talking about personal details. Obviously, you know, it's you have to be careful in this world. You don't want to give up all your all your information. But what he was giving was kind of a very surface level. Um, you're, I'm not really going to tell you too much information about me. Um, kind of energy, at least from her perspective, and that was her vibe. And all of this would have made absolute sense if his feedback was that he didn't like her. But when his feedback came through, he gave the date a five out of five stars and said she was smart and funny and that he had a great time, which had me perplexed because I was like, here we go again. Another situation where there's an older guy and maybe it's younger guys too, but an older guy who's coming off like super rigid, super, um, just, you know, no vulnerability, no openness, no romanticness, no warmth. Warmth, that's a good word. Like, no warmth. I think, you know, as women, we want to feel like, you know, that warmth when you're attracted to us. If you're not attracted, that's fine. And that's, you know, that's one thing. So, you know, here's another situation. And then, um, yeah, she basically felt like that he was nice, he was smart. And he was interesting. She was interested in a lot of the things he talked about, but she felt no real intimate connection because there was no warmth to it. And he and she felt like he was very rigid and very guarded and didn't have any flexibility to his personality, no flexible flow. And that's also where feminine energy comes in for men as well. So, you know, at some point we'll do a show about masculine and feminine energy. We all have both masculine and feminine energy. And the vulnerability piece, the ability to flow a little bit, like for every very masculine energy man, there still has to be that side that, that can flow a little bit, that can be influenced a little bit, that will 
um, you know, kind of step out of his comfort zone and surrender into the situation and, and develop partnership a little bit, because that's the dance. You know, our feminine masculine energies, they're dancing together to find this sort of partnership. And that's what relation, relating is, that, that, you know, seeing each other and accepting each other and being part of the dance. But if you're all masculine energy or even all feminine energy, then there's nothing to dance with and it just kind of falls flat. And that's often the case. Like early on when it falls flat, usually there's something like that going on. Then another case was a male client that I recently took on who's also in his mid fifties and just has this very staunch set of requirements for what his match needs to be. And when I recently sent him out on a date, his date's feedback was that he seemed to simply want someone to sort of fit into his life, like a missing puzzle piece. And his feedback was very like, well, you know, she she had, um, you know, the age of her child is too young, but I don't want kids that are too old. He didn't like the idea of teenagers, but her child was too young. So they got, her ch children have to be middle school age and she can't be from any other country from, but the U.S. And there's like, you know, a lot of uh, very staunch rules that he has set up for how she's going to fit into his life. And her feeling was like, well, you know, this is all about me fitting into your life. Where is the give and take? And I didn't, and she said, I didn't get a sense that he wanted anything, but sort of a, you know, someone to drop in, in. And there probably is that peg that, that, you know, peg to fit into his square hole or, you know, whatever shape, shape the hole is there, the peg will fit in. But I think the danger in this rigidity that a lot of older men have, and you know what, probably a lot of older women too, and it shows up in a different way, but the danger in this rigidity is that it, it closes off possibility. Because as a romantic partnership, the idea is that no matter how old we get, there has to be a growing together, right? There has to be an evolution in how we get to know each other and how we learn different things from each other. And, you know, what can be possible as far as how we, how we relate? Because without all of that stuff, we're not really being in relationship and there's not really a point to it except for, you know, if you just want to have somebody who you can regularly have sex with, your money is better spent, you know, getting a sex worker and having regular sex and just moving on with the rest of your life, doing things the way you've always done them right? Whether you're a man or a woman, your money is better spent just hiring someone for services if services are all that you need. But if we're talking about really getting into companionship, this idea of being an old dog who can't learn a new trick or can't be open or flexible with someone else and can't um, flow or surrender, it's unworkable. It just doesn't work. So tonight's topic why does it seem that older guys get harder to date? <laughs> that is my question for this evening. And what I'm hoping out of everybody who's listening, I'm hoping that you will email me, askforcandypodcast at gmail.com with your thoughts on this. But I also, you know me, I had to go on, on the internets, on the interwebs, and do a little um, research, a little, a little soul searching a little article searching, a little reading. And of course, I stumbled upon an article in the, on the AARP website, since we're talking about men of a certain age. And this, this very nice man, Michael Castleman, brought, uh, wrote an interesting article, The Man's Guide to Dating After 50, Eight Things to Know If You Want to Get Back in the Game. So 
it's very interesting, these eight insights. He says, these eight insights will make it all easier. He says, after 20 years, you're single again, and heaven help you on the brink of dating. Uh-oh. How should you begin? Maybe call that old high school flame. Approach that work colleague you always thought was kind of cute. Sign up for an online dating site. You know, are these are the questions. Like, are these all the things that you could possibly do? And once you do score a date, what should you expect in terms of SEX? So he's out, he's out here talking to all you guys about the eight things, the eight insights that are going to make it easier for you to date. Now, I read them through and I'm going to go through them right now, but here's the thing about them. Like I I wonder if the belief in these things or this this type of thinking and you'll know once I share these with you is part of what has people get so rigid after a certain age. I know that there are a lot of variables because, you know, by the time you hit your 50s, you've probably been married one or two times, sometimes three times, sometimes even up to four times. You know, you've maybe had a loss, a loss of a spouse as far as a death. I know in, in the comments for this article, there were people who were talking about having lost partners to cancer. Um, you know, you've been through some pain, you've raised some children, possibly. There's a lot of variables to what has a person feel the way they feel after they get to a certain age, you know, whether it's their body issues and going through the aging process and being worried about what they look like. All of that stuff definitely affects how we show up when it comes to our dating life and whether dating after a certain age is even at all comfortable, right? Because all of those things can make it feel like, mm, this is just not so comfortable. You want to be sexy. There's a lot of pressure to, you know, look younger than you are just in our culture alone. You know, there's a lot and you don't want to come with your baggage. You don't want to tell too much too soon. You don't want to, you know, there's so much stuff to think about, but you know, I think that it's important that we always get back to remembering that the whole purpose of partnering and dating and wanting to be in a relationship with someone is for companionship and for, you know, romance and friendship and for support, you know, because otherwise, what's the point? So this Michael Castleman came up with these eight insights that he believes will make it all easier. So let's talk them through. So the first one he says is some things don't change. It's always been challenging to meet women, even with dozens of dating sites. It still is. So he's already setting you up, guys, that it's going to be challenging for you. Use the classic dating strategies and introductions through friends, blind dates, meeting through activities, work, rec recreation, religious, etc., and plain old serendipity. Tell everyone you know that you're interested in dating. Ask to be fixed up. Get involved in activities you enjoy. Through them, you'll probably meet women who also enjoy them, women who might become friends, and eventually maybe more. So yeah, I mean, I guess those are some conventional ways to meet people, most definitely. But if you're already of the mindset that it's challenging to meet women. Now, that's not to say that in the past, when you were younger, maybe before you got married or before you ended up in other relationships, or maybe all the way up until now, if you never got married, it has been a challenge to meet women. But if that's the mindset, and that's what I worry is the mindset with these, these recent guys that I was just talking about, those recent examples. And those of you, if you know any guys out there who are like in their 50s and they're struggling with actually getting into a partnership or you know having a long-term relationship with a woman um, because of this kind of rigidity, this rigidity comes out of the belief that, it, that it's going to be challenging. 
And that, you know, because there was something wrong and I'm putting wrong in quotations with women that I've been with before or because it didn't work out before, um, you know, this is just how it goes. This is just how I see it. I'm jaded. This is how I look at dating. I have enough proof around me. I have enough people to co-sign this negative thinking and this way of thinking. So if I'm walking straight into something with the idea that it's going to be challenging, then I'm 100% right because we experience exactly what we believe. There are people every day who adjust their mindset and have a different way of viewing it. Don't approach it as a challenging thing. Maybe don't even define it at all and just get out there and do it. And all those options that he mentioned are definitely options, you know, and, and also I work for Talkify. Talkify is a great service for signing up and, and meeting women and also being willing to go through the transformation from being a single man to being a man in a relationship. And I say the same thing to women. There has to be a willingness to go through that transformation because the price of your partnership your relationship, your long-term forever is your singlehood. And so all the trappings and the hangups that you have during your singlehood, all the things that you don't want to let go of because you, you have assigned them to you as your identity, all of that stuff is the stuff that's, that can be holding you back. And that's that rigidity. Like, you know, for example, the guy I was talking about never tried a shellfish in his life but was refused to even taste it. And I don't care. I would not date somebody for that reason. But it's that kind of thing where it's like, I won't step out of my comfort zone. And that's a tiny thing. If he was not willing to step out of his little comfort zone for something as small as that, then that speaks to, you know, really, how are you living your life? If I won't, I won't veer from my routine and my way of being and what I've chosen for myself, not even an inch. And I get it. I get it. The reason that we get that way, the reason that we get so married to our routine and attached to the way that things are is because there's safety in that, especially after you've lived a few decades and been through some shit. And for those of you out there who've ever been through the loss of somebody or the sickness of a partner or you know, ups and downs with children, or even the loss of a child. I, I know even a relationship coach who's lost a son. Like you know, people have been through some shit by the time you're in your 50s. So of course you want to put up all those walls that you think are the walls of safety, but those walls actually barricade you from having something real with somebody when you're so adamant about things having to be the way that you want them to be as far as your life is concerned. And when the expectation is that somebody can come in and fit into your rigidity and, and sort of melt into who you are without you giving in any sort of way. And by giving, I'm not talking about uh, monetarily. I'm not talking about that kind of giving. I'm talking about you know flexibility, surrender, right? So all those classic dating strategies that he's talking about are, are going to be ineffective if you're approaching it with your belief that it's challenging to meet women and that things don't change and, you know, this is just the way it goes and it is what it is, all of that kind of thinking. It also causes that rigidity. So that's just number one. Number two, I had a sip of tea. Number two, the numbers are on your side, Michael Castleman says. He says, it's not two girls for every boy like the Beach Boys sang, but you, you can tell this is for old people because his references are very dated, but demographics trend that way. First, the bad news, men die younger than women, 
The good news, as the decades pass, women increasingly outnumber men, which subtly works in your favor. For every 1,000 births by age 50, women outnumber men 954 to 920, according to a 2009 U.S. statistical report. At 65, it's 871 to 791. So the odds are in men's favor. You're playing a numbers game, honey, and women know it. That's the reason why Betty and Veronica no longer sit by the phone waiting for Archie to call. If a woman is interested in you, she will probably initiate contact. Now, that's bullshit. So, first of all, the Betty and Veronica reference. Um, well, no, because now there's Riverdale, that show. So, the Betty and Veronica reference is a little dated, Michael Castleman, but I'll give it to you because of Riverdale. Um, yeah, so... <sighs> I don't know that it's true that Betty and Veronica no longer sit by the phone waiting for Archie to call because, you know, we're those of us of uh, Gen X, Gen X and later Gen X and then on up. I think it's baby boomers who are next and the forgotten generation. <laughs> I think that we very much were taught that you do not initiate. And so I think women of my age are sort of the beginning of that, the willingness to initiate and make the phone call and all of that stuff. I got to be perfectly honest. I'm a Gen, Gen Xer and I'm not completely comfortable with being the initiator of conversation for a, for a good while in the beginning of a relationship. I do it, but I don't love it because I was taught that's not what women do. And that was conditioned into me. And, you know, on a lot of levels, even as a love coach, I do believe there's something to be said for the dynamic of not trying to manipulate anybody, but but focusing on who you are as a woman as opposed to how often you have contact with that man and letting him sort of let you know that he is on board. Because I do think it's very easy as women for us to fall into situations where it's a fake relationship or that the man is not as committed in the relationship and the woman is completely into it. And so I feel like one of the ways to sort of, um, you know, I guess balance that dynamic is to let men actually give them the space to express their commitment to being there. And I think that if you don't give them that space, a lot of times they will go with the flow. Men tend to be very status quo and a woman can very much be running what she thinks is a relationship with a man who's just kind of half participating because she's initiating contact. She's doing everything. She's chasing. She's there whenever he needs and all of that stuff. And I think the danger in that is that you could very easily fall into a situation where you're with somebody who's complacent because they don't, they're not really that into it, but they're okay with having the regular sex and the companionship. And, you know, men are happy as long as they're satisfied in the moment often. So I say all of that to say, I know that's a total sidebar, but I say all of that to say that to say she'll probably initiate contact is, you know, I don't think that that's accurate. If you're an older man and you date older women, maybe with a younger, younger woman, she might. But this whole thing of like going with the statistics, I mean, I guess on some level they're on your side if you're playing the numbers game, but you have to think when it comes to your love relationships, you really have to think on an individual level. Like it goes back to believing what's possible for you. So if you're walking around thinking, oh, you know, if I play the odds, at some point I'm going to hit hit the number. It it doesn't really work that way for for sustainable partnership. I mean, that might be fine for 
you know, sexual availability or if you're, you want to date a lot of women or, you know, whatever. But we're talking about, you know, you're at a certain age. You want somebody who's going to be sustainable for at least whatever amount of time you have left here and make it meaningful if you want to make it meaningful. You know, so I think that relying on the statistics and then uh, sitting back because they're, you know, she's, you're going to let her initiate the contact and, and all of that stuff. Like, I don't know. To me, it just sounds like a very cynical, unattractive way for a man to be. It's very attractive, you know, when a man is clear and confident, he's clear about what he wants. He's confident about what he wants. And I think that's the guy who is clear, confident and makes the steps and takes action. That's always going to be the guy that gets a great woman. And those type of men do not stay single for very long. And by takes action, I mean, you know, they're just up front. Like, I'm interested in you. I would like to go out with you. I'm not saying that you will hit every time. I've had guys say that to me who I absolutely 100% was not interested in. And I just was honest with them and that was it. But I gave them the gift of being able to just move on and, and find somebody else rather than to be chasing after me and not being interested. So I think that when you are a man who is in your 50s and you're looking to date and you want a meaningful relationship, don't sit around relying on the statistics and thinking that Betty or Veronica is going to be calling you not saying that she won't, but actually get clear so you can be confident about what you want as a man and get out there and get it because you will get the highest quality woman if that's the way that you're willing to be about it. I really, truly believe that. And if you believe that, you all, you know, you get what you believe, right? Number three, Michael Castleman says to Google yourself. So I guess this is going to make it easier because women will, so you better know what they'll find. Okay, for you old guys out there who don't know much about the Google, I feel like he's kind of talking down a little bit. That's, you know, me kind of making fun of that because he says, try to correct misinformation or at least be prepared to prove that you're not the escaped serial killer who shares your name. And while you're at it, make sure your Facebook page won't raise eyebrows. I don't know what, what you're posting, mister, on your Facebook page, but it's raising eyebrows. Maybe it's like some political stuff or, you know, whatever. I don't know about all that. I mean, uh, my Facebook page could probably raise some eyebrows. I think, um, yeah, I mean, it, whatever. Just in regular life, you should Google yourself just so you know what's on the internet about you. I don't know that this insight will make your dating necessarily any easier unless you're doing some radical shit online. And I don't think that most men in their mid-50s and up are doing anything all that radical. I see a lot of grandkids. I see a lot of, um, you know, trips and uh, hobbies and things like that. And there's that stuff is really good because, you know, any woman that you'd potentially date, if she Googles all that stuff, you know, when I Google a man, I love seeing, you know, pictures of his grown kids and, uh, you know, his thoughts about things, uh, you know, what kinds of political things he's interested in, what kinds of social things he's interested in. Does he like sports? You know, all of that stuff. And yes, of course, if he had the same name as a serial killer, that would give me pause until I looked and saw that the pictures are different or, you know, whatever. I just think, you know, I don't know about Google. Google, just be yourself <laughs> as far as Google is concerned. You're a man of a certain age. You're mature enough. I don't know that that necessarily is all that helpful. He says dating sites have advantages. So he's, Michael Castleman is encouraging that you use dating sites. One is that you cast a wide net tip, upload smiling photos. That I absolutely agree with. 
And I posted about this not too long ago. And one of my male friends uh, sort of um, scolded me about it because I'm not supposed to be telling men what to do. But, you know, he says photos increase men's response rate 40%. You got to have photos and you got to be smiling and you got to stop taking that picture that's from below your chin. I screened a great guy the other day and he was asking me, he's like, I'm so bad at selfies. What can I do to improve my selfies? Go to your sight line with your phone, with your your picture-taking device, your picture-taking machine. Go to your own sight line and just take a straight photo and smile. Just smile and just be who you are, right? Don't do that thing where you're sitting in your comfy chair and your chin is doubled down because you're looking down like you're walking downstairs and you and the phone is in your lap and you hit the selfie button that so many men do and then post it on a dating site. Now, this is not about trying to fool anybody into thinking that you're better looking than you are, but at least look like you look. Don't put a picture that is completely unflattering, like you didn't even bother. <laughs> like... That, you know, that speaks back to that rigidity and that self-protection and self-sabotage. Bother. Just bother to look how you actually really look. Bother to be somewhere besides your bathroom. I mean, if all you ever are is in your bathroom, then, you know, I guess your compatibility will be with somebody who's only wants to be in the bathroom, but that will narrow your, your chances. Number five, Michael Castleman says, dating sites have disadvantages. Some of the members are flakier than pie crust. They seem interested, but after a few emails, they disappear or their phones are disconnected or they stand you up. Why? Who knows? One theory is that many are not single. Oh, those ladies out there? Scandalous. They're coupled but bored and hope to reassure themselves that they are still attractive by hooking men like you, unassuming, innocent, mid-50s men like yourselves. They're out there trying to hook you. What's more, profiles often lie, which that, that I will agree with, Michael Castleman. One study found that on average, people claim to be an inch taller than the national average. Women said they weighed 20 pounds less than average. Hello. Most claim to be more attractive than average, and 72% of women, 68% of men, and 4% said they earned more than $200,000 a year, while less than 1% of internet users actually do. Tip, tell the truth. As soon as you meet, she'll see your height and weight and how attractive you are. That is absolutely true. That I will agree with Michael Castleman. You will have a much better time. You won't have to feel defensive. That rigidity won't have to come in to play. If you are just completely honest about what you look like, your body size, if you can do a full length picture, your height, all of that stuff, lay it all out on the table, honey, because there is a cap for your bottle. You do not have to pretend to be anything that you are not. So I agree with you on that, Michael Castleman. That will definitely make this dating journey for you a lot easier. Number six, he says, dress for success. You may be wonderful, but if you look like a total schlump, women will flee. They'll flee into the streets. It looks terrible. Trouble is many men hate shopping for clothes. If that's you, get help. Ask a friend, preferably a woman, to accompany you. Consider getting a manicure and a pedicure. Plan to spend the day, yes, guys, an entire day and one to two weeks income, damn, on your makeover. Well, you know, I'm, I'm not mad at that one, Michael Castleman. I think that everybody should make that kind of effort to groom themselves and look good, you know, I, that comes down to compatibility too, because you know what? If you're walking around in your sweats, I can bet you that your Veronica or your Betty, probably more likely Betty, will be running around in her sweats too, and you guys can sweat together. 
But with this one, I, you know, I agree with Michael. I actually recently had a client, you know, I still have this client. She's just uh, taking a little break right now. And she's in her early 60s, very attractive and very, you know, well kept, like, you know, just um, takes care of her, her body, her health, the pretty face. And she went out on a date with a guy who showed up in a plaid shirt and didn't really try. And so he kind of like blew his chance and he really liked her. So yeah, I think that there's something to be said for that. Number seven, Michael Castleman says, keep condoms handy. See, you just never know. One pleasant surprise about dating after 50 is less groveling for sex, he says. After a few dates, most older women feel fine about going horizontal. Ah, the horizontal bop. And don't care if your erections are iffy or gone. What? What? <laughs> what are you saying, Michael Castleman? He says that that women of a certain age don't care if your erections are iffy or gone. I don't know about that, gentlemen. He says, however, they don't want sexually transmitted infections, so use condoms until you're monogamous. Okay, so I, I agree with the using of condoms. A lot of times people think that age is a condom. Age is not a condom. You definitely have to keep yourself safe. And I also get that a man of a certain age might have some issues with his erection, I don't know how many women are just don't care if your erection is iffy or if it's gone. <laughs> I think that, you know, it's something that you can have a discussion about um, as you get to know someone and, and probably a good argument for getting closer to someone before getting sexually intimate. Because if that is the case, obviously there's going to have to be some alternatives to, you know, what would normally be, ugh. That makes me nervous. Erections iffy are gone. <laughs> no, gentlemen, I don't want to make any of you feel bad. If I re if I met someone and had a real connection with them and, you know, really on a core value level felt like they were an important person to me, there are alternatives to be found when there is an issue with erections being iffy or gone. I wouldn't assume that most older women feel fine about that. What I would do is just be open to getting to know someone. And the only way to do that is to not be so rigid, actually share who you are, your core values, you know, just who you are as a person, talking to someone. Those are the things that get us intimately connected so that we don't have to be so worried about things that are a little more superficial. And I'm not saying that sex is not important. It is important. But it's much easier to work around little sexual problems and issues when you're dealing with someone who you have core value compatibility with. When you really have connected with their heart, you really care about who they are as a human being, it's just so much easier to get around that sexual stuff. If it's just about the sex, that stuff is going to be really frustrating for people and it's, you know, for both people. And it's just going to end up being a problem. So, um, Michael Castleman, I don't know about what you're talking about, about most older women feeling like it's fine to go horizontal and don't care if you have an erection. Like that's, I think that's way off base and you might want to look at that one a little harder. Number eight, dating isn't mating, he says. Just as gold miners move tons of rock to find a few nuggets, you'll probably have to date dozens of women before you find Ms. Wright. If you know that a budding relationship has no future, don't waste your time or hers. Say, I'm sorry, but there's no chemistry for me. And be prepared to hear those words yourself frequently. When you do, ask, do you have any single friends? <laughs> Actually, this one I don't necessarily disagree with, with Michael Castleman. I do think it's important to date, I don't know about dozens, 
it's important to be open to dating until you find that you want to have exclusivity. And it's important to not be attached to someone wanting to be exclusive with you as well and not having a high expectation that they, that they want to be exclusive with you as well. It's serendipity. If two people want to be exclusive and they have that conversation and that's the way they want to move forward. Um, but it does take being willing to just date and socialize and not, not be so attached to it. And, um, you know, really clear about your intentions. And like I talked about earlier, it's totally okay to have different sets of intentions. If your intention is just to have sex, that's fine. As long as you're honest and you're upfront about that, you will be dealing with people who just want to have sex, or maybe you can actually pay a sex worker to take care of that issue for you. You know, that's where you want to invest your money rather than investing it in dating because dating can be an expensive um, endeavor. If you're somebody who really wants a long-term, healthy, sustainable relationship and a real connection, then the dating and the socializing definitely is a part of it. And it's just about not getting attached to forcing that to happen. It's about being open to the possibilities, getting to know people, opening yourself up, letting people know who you are as a human being. You know, I know it's a scary world. People don't want to give too many of their details, but it is okay to open up about what you're passionate about, what you're purposeful about, what's important to you, who you are in the world, what you want to contribute to the world. Um, you know, what your relationships with your friends and family are like, it's okay to open up about that stuff because that's the kind of stuff that connects us. So that rigidity, that being an old dog that can't learn new tricks, that refusal to try new things or be out of your comfort zone, that expectation that someone be the, the missing piece to your puzzle and just fit right in without any sort of give or take, all of that is very self-sabotaging to anybody who wants a healthy and long-term relationship. So, you know, like I said in the beginning, I don't think that that's true of all men of a certain age, but I do think it's, it might be trending. And, it, you know, in a lot of ways, it's trending with women too. But I talk to the women almost every week. So, you know, I felt like this week it's, it's time to turn it on the men a little bit and have that conversation. So if you're out there listening and you want to respond to any of the things that I've said, or you have some feelings about it, if you disagree, especially, please email me, askforcandypodcast at gmail.com. If you have any feelings behind what I said, um, I love to engage in conversation about it. And I'm happy to talk about it on any upcoming show. And, you know, I might be opening things up to having guests again, even though I love this forum of just me, just me talking about me things. It's all about me. I love it this way, but I also love talking to people as well. So if you email me, you never know. I might be like, hey, come on the show. Let's have a little dialogue about it. Anyway, that is that is that for that topic. Men, older men, you're getting harder to date. And that's just something to look at. You don't want to be so rigid and so tough and so hard. There's nothing wrong with being an alpha male. It's a great thing. There's nothing wrong with being in your masculine energy, but you got to realize that you got feminine energy too. And you want to be able to su surrender and flow and be open and, and, you know, just allow for some things, some acceptance, because that's what we all want ultimately is to be loved and accepted for exactly who we are to be seen. You cannot be loved and accepted for who you are if you will not allow other people to see you, to see who you are, how you are, what's important to you and what's in your heart. 
And that's the end of that soapbox. So as you guys know, I am a matchmaker photographer. If you want to be included in my roster of recruits to be matched with a client for free, send me a private message on Facebook with your interest and your email, and I'll send you my recruitment link. All you have to be is single and open to being screened to go on a blind date. There is a screening process. You can't just come on in there with your two long arms and your empty pockets and be like, oh, set me up with somebody nice. No, you get screened. We got to make sure that you are a quality human being. And I ask all the questions. I ask about your core values. I ask about your purpose. I want to know who you are as a human being, what you're coming with, what your dreams are, what you envision, what you spend your money on. Honey, I'm going to be asking all of those questions, but it's a really good experience because you get to kind of figure out what you might need to shed in order to have the love life that you want. That's what I'm all about. I want people to have a love life. The other thing for my ladies is the Epic Circle. It's an online healing circle for women everywhere. Every Monday night, we as women come together as a community. We will be causing personal transformation when it comes to communication, forgiveness, self-love, mother-daughter relationships, purpose, friendship, just all the tools we need to be as big as we were meant to be in this world. And last week, We've been working on forgiveness for the last couple of weeks. And so I think we're almost done with that topic. We're writing forgiveness letters to, to pivotal people in our lives. And, um, you know, then we're going to be moving on to some other stuff. We're going to get into the, the purpose segment of things. There's a lot of really great things going on. I have a new uh, package session called the Sexual Chrysalis Session. Um, which I would love for any of you to, it's a one-off session. And if you want to get some clarity around your sexual desires, some clarity, some womb clearing, some, you know, vaginal rejuvenation of the heart, that is what this session is for. It's to clear out all those, that old history and those hangups and, you know, the sexual stuff that's, that's static, that's making it difficult to maybe connect and find chemistry with people. That is what that session is all about. I've got people signing up for it already. And if you email me, I will send you the link so you can sign up for that session. It's a one-off session. And this week I said, did I say this already? I'm kicking off the monthly ask for, ask for cash app contest. Ask for cash app. You can win 50 to $75 directly to your cash app for following the directions I'll be posting on Instagram and my Instagram is at Ask for Candy Podcast and at Candy Love Coach. Follow me and find out how you can win for the month of May. We still got a couple weeks left in May, so there's still an opportunity to win. Shout out to Ask for Candy Podcast Group. Join the Ask for Candy po Podcast Group on Facebook if you're out there and join Armed Radio Group News if you're out there. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Ask for Candy Podcast, to catch any episodes you may have missed. And subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to Ask for Candy on Anchor. Email me at askforcandypodcast at gmail.com and send your questions and comments. They may even become topics on the show. Until next time, my sweet loves, thank you for being here with me. It's always a pleasure. I always feel like, you know, we, we get to get connected, even though it's just me talking to you. But, you know, I love it when you respond. I love it when you listen. I love it when you subscribe on Anchor. I love it when you're, you know, I just know that you're out there and that's the most important thing. So thank you so much for being with me. Until next time, never, ever, ever forget that you are a love machine. If you ever start to feel like you are not getting the love that you need, just make more and then ask for candy. Candy! I love you. I love you. Bye.